Welcome to another episode of Ideas Into Action. I'm your host, Hamza Khan. Our producer is Kwaku Ajemang, aka Kwaku On Air. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is the co-founder of DXM Creative, Asawa Alam. He's a young go-getter whose incredible career trajectory I've watched over the past few years. Today, he's the tech and innovation coordinator at the city of Brampton, truly motivating young men who inspired me to get going with this podcast and many other things. Our conversation today was awesome. We talked about Brampton's stereotypes, strengthening communities, being a creator, hustling for your family, sleep optimization, and so much more. Friends, let's do this. And we are live. Yes. Astawa Alam. That's me. We're doing this, bro. Okay. I, um... One of my bros, one of my one of my one of my best friends, Haroon. Shout out to Haroon. Moved to Brampton recently. <laughs> I have to open up with Brampton, man. He moved to Brampton recently, and how do I put this slightly? He's um, he's not adjusting well to it. <laughs> <laughs> Pakistani guy. I thought he would be at home at Brampton, but uh, okay. our WhatsApp chat is filled with just vitriol. He's just upset at the stereotype. He's like, it's so real. Amazing. <laughs> so to chirp him, to make fun of him on WhatsApp, I do my research and I go on Instagram and I try oh, to man. find some photos that really capture the essence of Brampton. So I go on the Brampton uh, location tag on Instagram. Okay. And bro, I kid you not, every every fourth or fifth picture uh-huh. was... A brown guy, a Munda, a Gabru Jawan, just leaning up against the car. What is was up with that man? It was a Dodge Charger. It was a Dodge Charger. It or was a Mustang. It, it was a Mustang. It was in it was in a, in a nice suburb in their parents' home, just leaning up against their car. And yeah. I was like, "What is going on? What am I missing here?" So cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna entrust you with answering this question on behalf of Brand. Can you explain <laughs> the phenomenon of brown guys leaning up against cars? Um, we're just waiting for that generation to die out. <laughs> wow, bro, <laughs> savage! What the hell? <laughs> it's OSAP money being used improperly, so I will be reporting them all to uh, Ontario. So you, in many ways, are the anti-Brampton Brampton man. I've never met somebody more proud to be from Brampton than you are. You proudly represent Brampton to the point where it infuriates my friend and former co-founder, Kareem Rahman yeah. of Splash Fact. Shout out to Kareem. He shout gets upset Kareem. that you Actually, proudly no represent... No shout out to Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> where, can you speak to where this pride comes from from Brampton? Because I feel yeah. just as passionately about what I would consider to be my hometown, even though I live in downtown Toronto, but I strongly identify with Scarborough and I feel mm-hmm. very passionately about Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Where does your pride come from when it comes to Brampton? I have a funny story with Brampton. Go for it, man. I, I grew up in Toronto from from age like two to uh, to 18, always Toronto. Like I went to school in Toronto, middle school, elementary school, high school, all that. Which high school? Uh, I went to So I went to high school around High Park, um, Ursula Franklin Academy. So Mean Girls was shot there too. Shout out Mean shout Girls. Shout out Mean Girls. Shout out Ufa. That was cool. <laughs> um, so I went to high school around there, and it was the summer of grade eleven. Like after grade eleven, um, my parents told me that, you know, it was it was a summer night. We were all sitting around the uh, dinner table. My parents told me, we got a house in Brampton, and I just looked at them, <laughs> single tear rolling down my face. Betrayal. And just left. The How table. could you? <laughs> I'm like, it, it, it hurt. Like imagine being, imagine going to your last year of high school. And just hearing hearing before that that hey you're not going to graduate with every friend that you made this, those past four years, and you got to start over, like that hurt you know yeah of course so when I was going to Brampton like I ha- I had no good I didn't I didn't think any good things about it when I was going in and like my my friend's dad was telling me like yo two things are going to happen you're either going to become a drug dealer. Or you're gonna get a girl pregnant. Wow, bro. Neither of those things happened. What? But what but kind of idea do they have about Brampton? He was just saying that because there's nothing there was nothing to do in Brampton. Yeah. And I had friends in Brampton, so I asked them, what do you do? Yeah. Fun. You know, they said, Oh, we got Silver City, like Cineplex, we got bowling, and that's about it. I'm like, all right, cool. 
Damn, what is this, the 70s, bro? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it was like back then. Well, that's what my perception of it was back then, too. But for the past two, two-ish years, well, first off, I've made the best friends ever in Brampton. The boys I got now, like, those are ride-or-die boys. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing feeling like, when you bring friends home and, like, your parents love them and, like, it just becomes family. So, number one, like, that's, that's the number one reason why I love Brampton. It's just good people. Uh, number two, like, the past two years, I moved my company, DXM Creative, into downtown Brampton. So, just being on the intersection and being so close to City Hall, I really got to see what this ecosystem looks like in Brampton. And there was an article from uh, IT World Canada uh, I think last year, t- comparing Brampton to what Apple, Apple was 20 years ago. Wow. And they compared it by saying that Brampton, we all know like, what an exponential go- growth curve looks like. Brampton's right before that exponential growth curve like takes off. No doubt. And that's what I recognized that. That's what I recognized. Like I saw everyone at City Hall and everyone in downtown Brampton and the whole city just really passionate about what they're doing. And of course, like we have our mundas and all that, like leaning up against the cars and we have our waste man. Every city has that. (laughs) We we just got branded that way, unfortunately. So I I saw what was happening quietly and I feel like I saw it before anyone else saw it. So I wanted to be a part of that. I'm like, yo, I want to get in before everything pops off here. So I can say like, I was here first, but I also helped build what it is. So I love Brampton, man. Like I, I call myself a proud Brampton man. And and everything I'm doing now, like I really hope to be here for like the next decade or so and really see the city flourish into what I know it can be. And hopefully others can see what I see in the city. Damn, bro. You, you sold me. I feel like I might move to Brampton after that. Yo, <laughs> the, the Brampton ambassador over <laughs> here. Um, it's so interesting when you think about the concept of, of Brampton, right? It's a bunch of different communities mm. that got together and slowly began to amass their total uh, population size within the community. I think specifically about the Punjabi community, for, sure. for instance. Yeah. It's a home away from home. Like, if I had any friend that was coming from Punjab, I don't have any friends that live in Punjab, but if I did, hypothetically, mm. and they were moving to the GTA, I would strongly encourage them to go to Brampton because they would feel like they're at home. And um, for all the stereotypes, I got to think about it from the perspective of if I'm a new immigrant going to a new place and I want to feel a sense of community because loneliness is a huge problem. I talk about it extensively in the book, The Burnout Gamble. Um to, to alleviate those feelings of loneliness, it matters so much to be with your people, to yeah. be in situations where you have access to the food, to the entertainment. I remember like some of my first movies I ever saw when I moved to Canada, were in Albion Cinemas, which is not yes. technically Bram- <laughs> was that is that technically Brampton? Um, that's like that's a Tobacco, right? That's a Tobacco, right? Yeah, uh, Albion Cinemas. But eventually, I think some of the first places in the GTA to get Bollywood films yeah. were in Brampton. Yeah, Silver City. Uh, man. Now Silver City, man. Yeah. Shout out to Silver City. I did a lot of Courtney Park as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> But but I think now we have another challenge, which is you've got these communities that become so strong within Brampton that they don't actually need any other community. So the Punjabi community can exist in and of itself and all the other communities can live relatively isolated. So how does your work become difficult as a community builder to bring people from across different bra- from across different bra- ugh, across different backgrounds? Mm. Sorry, man, I'm fighting this really stubborn <laughs> cold. How how are you using tools like social media and the events that you're producing? to break down some of those racial barriers, racial divides, and and create a more vibrant Brampton? That's a really good question. And I'm going to sound like a super cliche right now. Go but in, man. I don't think, I don't, I've never actually thought about it that way. And I hate to say that I've never, quote unquote, seen color like that. But, but you don't see the enclaves, though? You don't see that yeah, these communities I, tend to stick, to stick to themselves? So the new immigrants, the new immigrants and the international students, 100%, they stick to themselves. They stick to themselves. They don't really socialize with anyone who's not Punjabi or et cetera. Um, they don't go outside of the groups. But 
those people still have a curiosity for things like entrepreneurship and technology. And it's those ones that are brave enough to attend an event alone or attend an event and drag along like a reluctant friend. Those, those are the ones that we try to hook right away and, and show them that, yeah, you're different. That's fine. We're all different in so many ways, but we still want, we still want you. We still want your ideas. We still want your diversity, all that. Because like Bram- Brampton's one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. And I think every single day or every single month, we, I'm, might be wrong on the number, but we have like 1,400 people like move in. And it's usually new immigrants, right? So that's a huge competitive advantage for us as a city. That's new diversity of ideas, new ways of thinking. And more often than not, these are also skilled immigrants that are coming from overseas with skills that can fill jobs that are being created here, working new jobs that are a result of older jobs being displaced too. So they're hungry, they're curious, and we do our best to be inclusive and embracing of them so they don't feel like, oh, I'm I'm from India or Pakistan and I can't really speak English properly, so you know I'm gonna just close off and be an Uber driver. It's great. Like we th- we talk about this all the time at City Hall. If we could like take if we could create some sort of program which we could take like all the Uber drivers in the city and get them in like mentorship programs with with companies or with like younger entrepreneurs here. Imagine like the synergies and like and catalysts wow. we could create. Yeah. So, so we, I I don't really see it like that. And maybe that is something that I do need to be more aware of and cognizant. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, but um, yeah. So far, it's been people just like self-selecting themselves to come out to our events, and we always do our best just to be embracing, inclusive, and encouraging of of them here. That's amazing, man. I before I moved downtown, so I moved to downtown maybe 2011, I think. I've lived more in the suburbs and in the peripheries of downtown than I have in downtown, mm-hmm. and I remember feeling a strong sense of. Um, they're not being a home for me to do the work that I wanted to do. So when I was living in Scarborough, I felt that when I moved to Markham, there was maybe a handful of agencies over there. Okay. And by the end, all those agencies moved downtown. So when yeah, it came yeah. time to start my own agency, when I started Splash Effect, it wasn't even a thought. I immediately said that we're going to set up shop in downtown. It was I was very much obsessed with getting... It was getting, a thing to do, right? It was a thing to do. And I think I didn't fully think it through because it's an online business. Business doesn't even need a physical space. Uh, But at the back of my mind, I thought that the talent and the clients were going to be downtown. And I couldn't be more wrong. I found myself traveling outside of downtown Mm -hmm. throughout Splash Effect's run when I was with them. Um, I found myself traveling outside of downtown for our clients. And most of our staff came in from out of town. Yep. So from Brampton, none, none from Brampton. Then, <laughs> when we started partnering with you, that was our first connection to Brampton. Mm-hmm. Actually, we had some some clients in the Peel region, uh, the Regional Diversity Roundtable, cool. and um, yeah, uh, the DNI Charter of Peel. Okay. So really, really exciting project, really fulfilling project that we got to work on. So when you set up shop in Brampton, I looked to that, and I don't know if I had a conversation with Kareem about this, but I, I remember thinking to myself, "Shit, man! Like, they are making it cool to work in Brampton." That was that's always the goal. Like me being a Brampton man, like I, I want to get a hoodie that literally says Brampton man because because I want people to see. Like when people see me, they don't think I'm from Brampton or like what they think Brampton is. They they see me and like oh, be some Toronto or like Yorkville or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a Brampton nice man. Nice watch, bro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a Brampton man, and and that's that's what I want to do. I want to make Brampton cool. Like all these kids, I have the privilege of working with so many inspiring and creative and energetic youth and. Well, you know, whenever I have a conversation with them, I ask them, like, yo, where are you going, like, after high school, after post-secondary? The answer is always Toronto, or I'm going to New York, or I'm going to some other metropolis. I'm mm-hmm. like, bro, like, if you leave Brampton, who's going to build it up? Who's going to yeah. build it for the next generation of kids? So I feel, I don't know if this is me, like, in 
in some like white knight complex or whatever but like i, I feel like it's our it's, it's our responsibility to put, to put on the city 100 percent. i respect that so much man i think when i left scarborough uh, I felt a strong sense of survivor's remorse or survivor's guilt. I'm not sure what the exact term is, but this idea that I left the hood, mm. that I left yeah. I left my roots, I left homies. my friends, and it was made worse by the fact that my homies, NBP, would chirp me on being a downtown man all of a sudden, <laughs> right? I got all the monikers, hipster, 1%, you yeah. name it, right? And I'm like, oh, shit, but I'm still at my Did heart. Did you grow the beard after that or before that? Man, that's <laughs> funny you ask, bro. I think I've had, I've had facial hair for as long as I can remember, nice. man. I looked at my grade nine, bro, my grade nine high school yearbook, and I had a beard there, bro. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember <laughs> life before fa- facial yeah. hair, man. <laughs> Um, I, I'm sure if I ask my mom, she'll have some some photos, man. Also, shout out to my parents for recording every like bit of my life growing yeah. up, man. I don't give my dad enough credit, but he documented my entire childhood. Amazing. I got to go get those photos and those videos Imagine sometimes. Imagine if you had Instagram. Oh, jeez. <laughs> man, your kids are going to log on to your Instagram account one day. Have yo, you thought about that? I don't know how I feel about that. Like, <laughs> okay, so I don't know if I want to be putting my kids' face, kids' faces. Um, I don't want to have more than two. Kids' faces all over social media. I, you I have to. I they they got to have their own accounts, bro. That's the thing that parents, all my young parent <laughs> friends right now, have accounts for their kids. That's the same thing as having like an account for your pet. Yes. That, until that's they're like, until they like, they get their own phone. I feel like that's the same thing. But I, I mean, like the love side of me wants to like put my kids everywhere. Like I want to put my kids, my my family, my parents, my girl. I want to put their faces everywhere. But the the paranoid, secure, like build the motor around your castle, Astawa wants to keep everything about that all off because I, people people are evil man like there's people out there that can do bad things and you never and you always assume the best you give people the benefit of the doubt but you never know who has what intention or what like what profile silhouette picture account followed you in is like you you never know so I, I don't i don't know if i'm gonna have my kids faces over social media very interesting, man. It's such such a difficult time to be raising kids. I'm teaching this class, uh, as you might know, here at Ryerson, social media class. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year that I teach it, I become more cynical. So I have my first <laughs> class for the new semester. I think I'm teaching it now for the third or fourth year. I can't even remember. But I'm at a place right now where I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of checked out. Like, I'm I'm over social media. I'm like... I need to fall in love with it again because I only see the dark side of it. Yeah. I only see how it's negatively affecting people. Is a stat that I probably shouldn't share on the podcast, but I'm going to do it anyways. Nearly half my class last semester had some accommodation requests that tied back to mental health. It was wild when I thought about it. I'm like, whoa, half of a 120-person class is struggling with anxiety, depression, something that I think is being exacerbated by and catalyzed by their access to and the amount of time they're spending on Mm -hmm. social media and digital devices. It's a real fucking problem, man. And for kids to now grow up in this day and age... Yeah, it's not good. I'm I'm not a fan of it. Like, I'm I'm the oldest of three, so my youngest brother, he's uh, 11... Or twelve, and he's he's rocking some hardware. He's got the iPhone X, eh? No, <laughs> no phone for him yet. But he's always on. Like he'll take one of our devices, or he'll be on the laptop, and he's always got his head on facing some screen. And it's not good, man. Of course, like there's a social anxiety part of it, and just comparing your life to someone else's. That's not good. Like I, I didn't have that at at when I was growing up. Like I had other issues, but I didn't have that constant ability to compare myself to someone else's life. So I, I hate that part of it, and I really hate. I feel like it's making kids dumber too. It, the internet is amazing. Like we have so much, obviously we have so much access to so much information. You can do anything, but it still falls down to a person. Like if you're the type to like get distracted and dick around and procrastinate, yeah, that's what we're going to use internet for too. So 
I think those two things we're seeing so we're seeing anxiety and depression and all these other mental challenges become a much more pre- prevalent. And we've seen that rise over the past few years, and it's going to continue that way too. And that's we're seeing apps like Headspace and Calm and et cetera coming up because it's because it's a market, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So those two areas that I'm, I'm I'm worried. I think about it all the time, and and I'm trying to find the silver lining. I'm trying to find the good in social media, and I think that there is a lot of good. I remember when I first got on social media, the early days, it had a lot of promise, a lot of utopian promise. It was going to be a way for us to collaborate, to communicate across different sort of uh, uh, borders, physical and otherwise. Um, It was going to be a way to make the world smaller, to accelerate our learning. I thought it was going to make us all more tolerant, and I feel like we're not using it for any of those purposes or if we are we're using them to a diminished degree and we're using it more yeah. so for uh, malicious purposes this movie came out recently brexit with benedict cumberbatch okay. and i started watching it and i made it halfway through it and i'm like this is a horror movie this is a bunch of really smart people who decided that they were going to use their talents to manipulate the way that people think by putting out fake news and putting out advertising and using the tools that we've all pulled ourselves into. It's so easy to do. Cambridge Analytica, another example, what happened with the U.S. elections. Anyone Uh, with like $500 and like a a vacant morning can go run propaganda ads. It's disturbing, bro. I ask you about how your parents use social media. I discovered that my parents have a totally different way of using social media, man. They have like chain mails. They send like (laughs) Quran verses to one another. Yeah. Uh, They send like the weirdest memes. I'm like, this is not even funny. Like this is, what is this? This is like a a sketch that a three-year-old came up with. I hate what quote-unquote meme culture is now. Like I'm I'm an original uh, internet kid. Like 2006, sorry, 2016. Wait, that's 2000. Old, okay, like when like yeah, yeah. when we had like meme formats and like we had the animals oh, yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah. That's what a meme is. Yes. I don't understand this egg stuff. <laughs> what what is this egg? I don't so I, I have no respect for today's youth in the meme realm. I, I think they've ruined it, but You're becoming an old head slowly, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you but you can't be, and I'll tell you why, man, because I think about some of the positive aspects of social media. Positive yeah. for me was actually seeing you and discovering you online. So I told this to George yesterday. I'm your Justin um, Bieber. You're no, you're you're actually I would say you're my Drake, man. Really? Well, let me explain. Let Are me you explain. my little Wayne? No, man. I'm I'm an old, washed up Kanye Jay Z like, man. Birdman. No, man. I'm <laughs> do their hand room real quick. <laughs> what is what? Sorry, man. What is Birdman doing these days? I don't anyways, know. man. I don't know. He had his clothing line with uh, respect. Put respect. Yeah, he, he has uh, these. Th- I think six episodes on YouTube, and I, and I would encourage the listeners to check them out. Uh, How to be a stunner. Some of my favorite wow. videos on YouTube. They're six minute long episodes. They're sorry. There's six episodes. They're about like five or ten minutes long, and there's different categories like how to be a stunner when it comes to cars, how to be a oh, stunner wow. when it comes to your clothes. And this is like peak, peak Birdman. This is when you see like Birdman in his, at his most Birdman. He's just rubbing his hands and dropping these one-liners that have become... Can I add these as LinkedIn skills? You know what? And if I do, will you endorse me for that? If you add if you add Stunner as a LinkedIn skill, Amazing. I will endorse you 100%. Can you my headline right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was telling I was telling George yeah. um, that he inspired me just by being himself online to get out of a really depressive episode that I was in oh, throughout 2018. You know, I was in a funk. I felt like I had lost my confidence. I didn't have a lot to begin with, but the little that I'd had, uh, I was I was in a deficit. Um, I didn't feel like doing the things that I'm doing right now. Heck, even this podcast right now, I would say the confidence came from watching you, watching George, watching people like Raf. Yeah. And um, it made me think, in preparation of this podcast, it made me think about an article that I read where I learned that Watch the Throne, which happens to be one of my favorite albums of yeah. all time. Yes. Fucking great album. We will never get a Watch the Throne 2. And I actually, I'm happy with that. Because if they do a Watch the Throne 2 now, at the current state that Kanye's in, 
I worry about that guy. He should not be making music. He needs to be getting some help, man. He's got to be surrounding himself with with good people, some family, some psychiatrists, and um, really just taking care of himself. I feel like he's he's being put in a difficult situation. Is that you? No. Oh, shit. Who's that? Is that me? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's a first. We're never no going to do that again. I'm, I apologize to no all the no listeners. Uh, we'll have a new rule for myself. Hamza, cell phone's <laughs> off. Do not disturb. Oh, so So... When Kanye and Jay-Z were experiencing, I would say, a relatively comfortable period in their career, uh, what happened is they saw Drake. Drake took advantage of that time where there was a bit of a lull in the game. Interesting. Because when you think about when Drake came out, right? Drake's Drake's peers were J. Cole, Kendrick, and some of the others in that sort of freshman class. Yeah. He has long since eclipsed them. Like, yeah. long since eclipsed them. Mm-hmm. I saw some chart numbers the other day. Like, he's doing numbers that are reminiscent of what 50 Cent used to do back in the day. He's in a whole different class of, yeah. of rapper right now. He's untouchable. He's untouchable. Well, he, he was, but... Well, but. even despite what's happening right now, like, yeah. it's pretty disturbing. We're watching this happen and play out in real time, this whole case of him, like, hugging, kissing on, like, some 16-year-old girl yeah. or something like that. I'm like, okay, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. But I have a weird suspicion that this guy's made of Teflon. He'll find a way to deflect this. If you could survive a beef with Pusha T, you can survive anything, man. You can survive anything. Like, Pusha T should have ended your career. I think Pusha T was going to. Was going to. If that J Prince stuff didn't happen or allegedly, I I don't believe that. Look, if you actually, Drake said that, you know, he had a verse that could end everybody's career and like Mm -hmm. put out, just put blood on the streets. But, you know, J Prince told him not to do it and be civil. I don't buy that, man. In 2018, last year, if if a verse exists, it will get leaked. It didn't get leaked. You don't have the verse. You're a liar. Yeah. You're not even hiding a verse. You were hiding a child. Well played, um, sir. But sorry, sorry, sorry. Back to what I was going to say about the comparison to you and Drake. Yeah, yeah. What inspired Jay Z oh, and wait. Kanye to get into the booth and create oh. Wash the Throne was Drake. Okay. They've gone on record and said this. They said that, oh shit, there's this new guy coming up. Yeah. Well, new ish guy. He was always there, but we're now seeing him it really come into his own, yeah. hit his stride. We have to get into the booth and the two of us have to team up to take him out. And they created Wash the Throne as a way to counter Drake. Mm. And what we got from that healthy competition was seeing two guys come out of their comfort zone, reestablish themselves into a new prime. That, to me, right. in my mind, I'm like, that's a new peak Jay-Z, a new peak Kanye. And I feel like right. in many ways, you, George, and this whole crop of guys that I'm now seeing as, like, the next up. Were your Drake. Yeah, you guys inspired me to shake off the dust and be like, hey, don't get comfortable with the success that you've found so far. Like, whatever I had going on at that time when I discovered you guys, I'm like, that was good. But in order for me to be future-proof, I got to get comfortable being in front of a camera. I got to get comfortable being on social media the way you guys are. I got to get comfortable telling my story. And it's taken me a couple of years, and I feel like now here we are finally recording a fucking podcast with video, and I'm taking this seriously. And I think a lot of that, a huge part of that, is due to you. So thank you for that, man. Thank you for You inspired me, bro. And just going back to the note that you mentioned of like, you know, seeing... People like George, Raph, myself on social media with front-facing camera, um, get that getting you out of your funk. Like that's first off, like I, I have I have no words like to respond to that. That's just incredible. And like 
I think it speaks to a larger picture that we often forget as like quote unquote content creators that we don't know how us being ourselves is just impacting people. You know, like me making a dumb joke or me just, you know, talking to talking to the camera about like my shitty day. Like you never know who that's reaching and how it, and when it's reaching them. It might reach them at a, at a shitty point in the time in their life. It might reach mm-hmm. them at a point where they really need to hear what you have to say. And that thought is kind of what got me got me started onto this whole producing stuff and just putting things out there like you know i've had like my very first blog post um i think it was 2017 maybe um was called share your drafts and it was all about the importance of telling us telling a story and the thesis of it was that you know the stuff you're going through now like you sitting in your bed staring at the macbook screen blank at 4 a.m and just being pissed at yourself for not being where you are that's the story of so many other people and you feel so alone until you hear that that hey i i have that too or i'm feeling this way as well and sharing that is so important because uh, going back to going back to the whole city thing like it's i feel like it's your job it's your responsibility it's the least you can do it's it's not that big of an ask for you to just turn your camera on and, and talk for a little bit like you know you're spending like eight hours a day watching game of thrones anyway like, yeah why not you know you you don't know how it's gonna help someone and this intentional storytelling is something that I see, is, think is very reminiscent from what Drake did with the city of Toronto, right? He could have easily aligned that brand narrative with the United States. Yeah. He could have easily claimed the Houston part of his roots and gone that route and said, I'm going to be in this bigger market. I'm going to claim the U.S. and this is going to be my market. But instead, he got aligned with the Toronto brand at a time when the Toronto brand was okay. Yeah. wasn't really popping. And as he ascended as a star, the brand also in tandem rose with him and now here we are we're a world we're a world-class city and everywhere that i've traveled in the last three years whether it's dublin ireland rome italy i'm going to southeast asia very soon um everyone knows toronto as synonymous with drake yes if you're a fan of hip-hop and forget hip-hop i think hip-hop has become pop if you're you're, it's so weird for me to say hip-hop anymore yeah it's not hip-hop it's it's music it's pop like if you look at the top charts top 100 songs and 70 percent of them are rap Mm hip-hop so what's left i mean it's 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 pop he he is the biggest artist of our time i'm just gonna go go on a limb and say that the biggest artist artist of our time most influential yeah like i feel like if he did go the texas haunted cousins out of sure like if he went (laughs) if he went that route I think it would have been harder for him. I don't think we would have the Drake that we have today. It's easier to build up. It's easier to build up with something or someone. He built up with Toronto. It's, it's kind of like what I'm doing with Brampton. Like I recognize that Brampton is at a place where it has. Brampton's a very unique city in that other cities that are in a similar spot to Brampton, they're missing ingredients. Brampton has all the ingredients, and now it's about just finding the right recipe. So that that's what I'm trying to do with Brampton. I recognize that it's at a very crucial spot right now where, where it might take off. Maybe not next year, maybe not in five years, but it will take off. And I recognize that. And I said to myself, like, yo, I'm going to be here and I'm going to help that happen. So when we pop off, I'm there. And I think that's, uh, that's what Drake did with Toronto. He recognized that the makings of a great city, of a world-class city are here. Someone needs to tell a story. And at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to. Cities have brands. Cities have brands the same way Nike has a brand, the same way you have a brand. Everyone has a brand. Cities have a brand. It's very important. And you're, you're doing a really good job of telling that story, telling your individual story. But I want to shift gears and talk about DXM. Okay. So this is the agency that you co-founded with Syed. Yes. I call him Syed, but his name is Ali. I mean, it, it depends who you are calling him. Like, like he has three names, Syed Ali Raza. Yeah. Like Raza is his last name, right? Okay. Like we all call him Ali. Yeah. Um, professionally, I think he wants to be called like Syed. Yeah. Um, selectively, but Ali. Dude, you create you you decided to create a digital marketing agency. I would say at the worst possible time to create a digital marketing agency. You're telling me this now? 
Uh, man, <laughs> I, I think when I created Splash Effect, that was the worst possible time. And I think the cool thing that you did, and I, man, I keep on forgetting how young you are. You started your version of Splash Effect. You started DXM at a time when I wish I started it. You started it while you were still in university. I started it in my late 20s. Yeah. And so the head start that you have on the game is incredible. I can't wait to see what you're going to do when you catch up to my age right yeah. now. I mean, you're going to be way leaps and Very bounds exciting. ahead of where I'm at. Um, and I, and I, I couldn't be happier for you. But when you started DXM, you started it at the worst possible time as far as where the industry was. What I mean by that is... It's become a race to the bottom, and you know this. Yeah. Everybody sure. with access to a laptop and fast internet can do the things that you're offering. Mm -hmm. They can build websites. They can do social media audits. They can do social media community management, graphic design, all of those things. Yes. It's not magic anymore. Yet here you are. You're successful. You're running a successful business. You have money coming in. Yep. You're making money hand over fist, crushing new clients all the time. You guys recently had Socialite as yeah. one of your clients. Yeah, so shout out to you for that. Yeah, That's that awesome. One of my favorite conferences of all time. <laughs> That's dope. How are you guys still successful? How are you guys managing to be successful in this age of competition where a 14-year-old can be a one-person digital marketing agency? I think it's always been like that. I think it's always... Well, obviously, there's certain industries like manufacturing, et cetera, where, where you can't do the things that's happening in digital marketing. But there's always been the competition aspect of business, no matter what you go into. Or like, let's talk about sports or rap. Like, if I want to start rapping, right, I, I can go learn. You have, how to rap. you have rapped. I'm just gonna. Put I can that go out learn how to how to make or find a producer, start recording some songs. I can like the internet has it all. I can I can become Drake, maybe not Drake, <laughs> in like a few weeks, right? Um, I can, you can learn the course. fundamentals. How about that? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Anyone can do that. So I, I don't worry about I don't worry about things that people can get from other sources. I don't worry about anyone else learning how to use web, uh, WordPress or learning SEO, whatever. That's fine. I'll teach you how to do it too. Just pay me. Um, but where the competitive like differentiator comes in is, is a couple things. Like first, it's like who you are. Who are you? We're in an interesting time right now in, in the economy, in, in, in our culture where people want to work more with people who look like them, have the same values, and they can just like be friends with. They want to work with someone that they can hang out with after 5 p.m. And that's one thing, like work with the people that you identify with, that you want to be friends with. That's the first thing. So most people we work with aren't, you know, stiff nine to five corporate clients. We work with people that we want to spend time with. And we may, like there used to be a time where we would work with people that we didn't like. And that that wasn't fun. Like if we're doing this as like a f forever thing, we don't want to spend our time from our life that we'll never get back with people that we don't like, right? There's more value and there's more fun that comes out of working with someone that you have fun with. Um, so that's the second first thing. Second thing is the skills are very much easy to acquire. Sorry, the technical skills are very much easy to acquire, but what's harder to replicate is someone's process and the creativity behind it. Like, obviously, I, I read a lot of reports about AI and automation and the future of work. And, and like, we see this trend all the time, like, so in this job and that job is being automated. And we always hear that things that are more creative are harder to automate. And that's where you have to start differentiating yourself. Like, what is your process? How do you work with a client? What do you, like, what kind of words do you use? How do you onboard them? Those housekeeping things really make a big difference. And clients take note of that, too. So... For me, just off the top of my head, like those two things are what really is what anyone should be looking at to to set themselves apart from someone else in a very competitive industry. And of course, storytelling like and storytelling ties into the first point where people want to know who you are.
I love that, man. And now you've got this concurrent hustle as well. So you've got your DXM gig. And I don't want to call it a gig, and I don't want to call it a side hustle necessarily because I've been there before. I've worked at Ryerson full-time and had Splash Effect. Yeah. Make no mistake about it, folks. Both were full-time jobs. Yeah. Uh, there's no such thing as a side hustle, especially at that scale that you're doing it. So you've got that, and you're also a tech and innovation coordinator with the city of Brampton. Yeah. Dude, how many hours a night do you sleep? I sleep six hours. You still manage to consistently get sick. Yo, sleep is the one thing you cannot put on a back. The competitive advantage, man. I'm it is you. facts, man. Like, look, going back to like the whole, you know, it's a competitive industry. Like, it's easy to learn digital marketing. It's easy to learn SEO. It's easy to learn whatever. But where your competitive advantage is in, like, how's your mental health? How's your physical health? Are you sleeping? Are you eating right? That energy, that's what sets you apart, man. That's what, that's what keeps you on. 100%. If you have that, then you can do digital marketing or whatever you're doing to 110%. Is six hours a sweet spot for you? For me, that's what I've learned over, over the years of, you know, Fitbit, uh, sleep tracking. Like, that's what yeah. works for me the best. So not seven, not eight, not five, six. six those, are, those are nice to have. Uh, six hours is the best, given that I have, that I, that I execute the proper um, nighttime routine for myself and I wake up properly. Right. At the end of the day, like, um, the, the hour of the hours of sleep I get, it's, it's just a number. It doesn't have that much. It doesn't have the biggest effect on me as much as did I go to bed properly and did I wake up properly? Those two things, like the end, like how I start and how I end, that's what matters the most to my quality of sleep. I want to get into that in just a few minutes, uh, and we're going to get into the process piece. And I want to talk a lot about sleep. I know George, we talked a lot about diet and whatnot, and I think mm-hmm. that I wanted to learn more about sort of his sleeping rituals. But I'm glad that you brought this up because we can spend some time going cool. into it. But before we, we, we go into that segment of the podcast, I want to understand what prompted you to move, or I want to say move, to, to slice up your capacity to allow for the city of Brampton to be part of the mix. Because having run an agency, yeah, that is a full-time endeavor. That takes up all your time, all your energy, all your attention. But then you eventually get really good at it. You build systems, you build processes, yes. and then you write yourself out of a job and create capacity to do something else. So you did that very quickly with DXM. And then why did you decide that the city of Brampton opportunity was the right one for you? Because everything I'm doing at the city right now is stuff that I was doing with them before is not paid. Um, so it, it just made sense. Like when the opportunity came up, it made sense that I take it. And I, didn't, I looked at the, I looked at like the job and I looked at me, I'm like, yo, who else could do this? Like, this is for me. kind of like made for you. Yeah, like I have to do And you this. were already doing those tasks. I was tasks. already doing all that. Obviously, I'm doing it way more and, and so many other things on top of that. But it just made sense. Um, but yeah, it it was it was a difficult decision. Like, I'm taking this time now that I gave to DXM and giving it now to the city. The money's nice. That's great. But now I have less time for that. But I looked at it as like a long-term play. Like me being here now, I have more cash coming in. I have a better network and it's forcing me to, to one up myself. It's forcing me to think in a different way. And, and before I started working in the city, I was already looking at my work at DXM. I said like, I can't be doing the things that I'm doing at DXM now. Like I can't be executing projects daily. I can't have my hands in, in the dirt all the time. And I need to be in a place where I'm more project managing and hiring and delegating. So me going to city also forced me to do that. Now I'm, now I'm in a spot where I don't have to execute myself all the time, but I can work as the manager. And I feel like where I was in my life, like I needed that switch too. I was getting, I was getting too used to being the executioner and, and the manager, but I know I need to be a better leader. So me doing this allowed for me to start building systems and thinking like how a leader needed to think. 
to get to skill that I want to get. Is it difficult work that you're doing? Like, would you say that the work is challenging? You know, the job is, is challenging. The job is challenging in that, like, our ma- the economic development office, so that's, like, the department that I work in, like, our mandate is to create 140,000 jobs in the next 17 years, wow. I think. Wow. Um, so that's our large mandate. My job is to ensure our workforce is ready for that and is ready for the future. So thinking about things like training, essential skills. And- yeah. It's, resources all it's, that. it's a big ask man it, they're asking me to make sure our middle schoolers and high schools are ready for when every single company becomes like shopify and does wow. our degree it's it's asking me to prep them for for when no one is an, an accountant anymore like that's that's hard man like and one thing i realized like quickly with this job is that i need to stick around for like 8 12 20 years to see the fruits of my work here because no one's done like a workforce strategy at the city before I came in and I'm coming in and laying the groundwork and I'm also learning quickly like what's wrong and I'm trying to and I'm lucky to be working in such a great team like with the innovation team shout out Devin my manager he's the innovation tech uh, sector manager and he runs a startup outside of the city as well so we both think very entrepreneurially and he also he always told me before I took the job that you know at the city we're uh, entrepreneurs and we're always applying like a startup mentality Mm -hmm. to the work that we're doing too so iterate, fail quickly, and learn. So, And in many ways, you, Devin, Daniel, all the people that I know who are working with the city of Brampton, um, you're perfect for this because you've done it. You've rehearsed the exact steps that's needed to achieve economic success within the community uh, doing the type of work that I think is going to be the work of the future. Yeah, I think the work of the future will be... You know, I, I think I don't think that people are going to work traditional nine to fives. People aren't going to work office jobs in the future. I think it's already we're starting to see it right now. Yeah. Even when you think about your stodgy, typical nine to five job that requires you to go into an office, you're seeing much more flex time, mm-hmm. much more work from home abilities, and the the numbers are in. You can see them. People are more productive when they work at home. It's such a strange thing. Yeah. It flies in the face of what we thought. Um, you know, uh, how people would work. And we thought that the offices were conducive to them yep. doing their best work. Yeah. Your it's best not, work doesn't happen in your office. It's not. Like I, I took a course I shared in years ago called, um, I think it was called Introduction Creative Studies. And we talked about something called Creative Press. And that's basically talking about like the environment you work in, how hot is it, is it, is it cool, um, is there music playing. Those are all factors that are very individual, right? You can't create a cookie cutter office for every type of worker. You need to let people have like their own spaces or close to something that they feel productive in and and companies are becoming more aware right. which which is nice um so we're seeing more flex time we're seeing more remote work we're seeing offices like shopify we have rogers out in, in out in brampton and their oh, office is incredible cool. super open concept a very uh, very like it's, it's like a big co-working space and you can work anywhere you want regardless of like what department you're right in. so we're seeing even even though companies have offices mm-hmm. we're seeing them build build it in a collaborative fashion and not only that man it took me a while to realize what kareem's ted talk was about so kareem did this ted talk and when he first dropped it i didn't quite grasp the message hustle, as, with, purpose. hustle with purpose but as i've had time away from that ted talk i've thought about one job shouldn't one job can't fulfill you like that one job can't be the only thing that gives your life meaning and purpose there should be a whole host of other things whether they pay you or not yeah. they could be hobbies i think that's the essence of kareem's message is that you know, embrace the the multifaceted hustle. Like I teach, I write, I speak, mm-hmm. you know, I work full time. And I feel like a complete person because I have all of those different, you know, those rings, those Thanos yes. rings, right? <laughs> what what's what's on your gauntlet right now? So I know you've got DXM, you've got yeah. City of Brampton. Mm-hmm. What else? What what do you have and what's coming up? 
Um, so th- all of this that you're saying alludes to like the Ikagi, like Venn yep. diagram, I think. Ikigai, I think. Ikigai, Ikigai, yeah. Ikigai. Vowels just switched. It's all good, man. Um, and, you know, we've, we've always seen like that, that quote that says, you know, have one hobby that, that pays you, have one hobby that feeds you, and have one hobby that like feeds your soul or something. Can you say it one more time? Have one hobby that pays you? Have one hobby that pays you, have one hobby that like fuels your passions. Oh, sorry, sorry. Have one hobby that pays you, have one, have one hobby that keeps you fit, and have one hobby that fulfills some other part of your human existence. Damn, I got I to gotta do an inventory <laughs> and think about which ones. Okay, very cool. Um, but one thing, so I, I love DXM. Not for the marketing part of it, but I love DXM because I love building things. I love building a business, going from zero to to one, and then going from one to 10, 10 to 100. I love that. I love putting the pieces together and seeing how, how to paint a picture. And that's what I think like true entrepreneurship is, just making things. And I've always been the kid who likes to make things. Connects, Lego, I'm there. So I love DXM for that. I love the city because it's a very fulfilling work. I honestly go in every morning, I go home every night, feeling like I'm contributing to a larger picture, something bigger than me. Like I'm building a How many people can say that like, yo, I'm building a city? That's wild, man. That's sick. You used to build cities out of Lego back in the day. <laughs> it's little space towns. Yeah, man, it's real now, bro. But so yeah, I love DXM because I, I like to build things. I love uh, the city because it feels like I'm doing something bigger, bigger than me. I love producing. My biggest thing though is like writing. I love writing. I love making content, photos, videos. Um, and that is just my creative part. Like, like with the rap stuff, like I love just making, like I have, yeah. I don't, I don't, Kareem is right. Humans are not, humans are not one, one dimensional. And I hate when people tell me things like specialize, you got to do. Yeah. One like thing. what is that? Like when people, when I tell people like, oh yeah, I have DXM and I work in the city and like I drop a rap, people tell me things like, yo, just, you know, why are you doing all that? Like they want to find a pattern. They want to find wanna, an easy they box put to box. put you in. Yeah, man. I'm like, no, I'm not that. I like all these things. Yep. I like all these things, and I'm like moderately good at all of them too. Yep. Um, I used to be insulted by that when people would say, "What do you? What exactly do you do? You, I do everything. You, you a professor? You a marketer? Yes. I'm like, you know what? I would try to find patterns that would make sense to other people, but now I've embraced yeah. the fact that like yo, I'm just I'm a, a guy that's doing man. things, man. And 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 that's what like my that's one of the things that I want to do with my brand too. Like I want to show people that like, yo, this is what an entrepreneur could look like. This is what a, this is what a Bengali Muslim kid could look like. Like it could be, they could be an entrepreneur they could work in a government. They can drop rap songs yep. once every year. They could like make fashion. They could do all that. And you're going to love this man. LeBron James, man. Fucking the more I think about it, I'm like, this guy's LeBron's probably my, my biggest idol right now. Yeah. Like, if, if I look up to anyone, I'm like it's LeBron James. Like he's 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 crafting the blueprint in real time for the sort of life that I want to live. He said something. He's like, I'm not a basketball player. I'm a guy who plays basketball. And I'm like, oh, facts. What? I'm not a businessman. I'm, I'm a businessman. Business man. No, but look at look at this. So LeBron James' strategic move moving to the Lakers so that he can focus on building out that media empire as well. He's got his fingers oh, in a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Right. Movies. I hear games as well. Investing in some businesses. He's using his talent. His one sort of money-making talent butter. that he has yeah. to then fuel the other parts of the of the industry as well. So when I think about that for myself, I'm like, yes, marketing pays most of the bills. I'm a yes. really good marketer, but I'm using that to spend and invest in the podcast, in writing, in, in all of these other facets as well, building the empire. And when we met at Balzac's a couple of weeks ago, you, you changed the way that I think about why I'm doing this. So, you know, business has been good. I've been, I've been doing better than I've ever, ever been doing, uh, financially speaking. Like what? What am I trying to do here? Because I'm doing well. Yeah. Like, what is this all adding up to? What is this all adding up to? Because yeah. 
if it was just me, I'd be very comfortable for a very long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And but it's not. You yeah. said it for, you said it best, and I, I walked away from that night thinking, shit, I got to rethink why I'm doing this. Because you said family. Mm. You said you're doing this for your family. Yo, man, like, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure, like, I've, I've shared the stories of like me growing up and stuff. Like, so at the beginning, we talked about you know going to Brampton and, and it's having people who look like you. And growing up in Toronto, I didn't have that. You know, being an immigrant kid, um, like we didn't speak English at home. Um, English was like my second language. Um, having that, being in a school for like predominantly white people, and I went to school like High Park too. So it was yeah, like yeah. I'm like one of two. The one only Bangla in High Park. Yo, man. yeah, the only <laughs> Bengali in like there too. So I was always trying to be accepted by people who didn't look like me. Yeah. And when I moved to Brampton, probably probably one of the reasons why I love Brampton so much is that there's people that that look like me. That matters, man. Big time, man. You Holy like shit. if if I didn't have you to look up to, like at eighteen, I Respect. probably wouldn't have half the stuff that I have now. I wouldn't be half the guy I am today, or no, or just have this mindset too. Having having role models or like people who look like you blaze a path that's similar to the path you want to go to, that is so so important, man. And and again, like that's one of the reasons why I do like what I do on social media. Cause I want to show the kids that look like me, like, yo, you can do this too. Like mm-hmm. there was a, like, it's an, it's an honor to be here right now. There was a time where I would have loved this opportunity and, and I have it now. Like this yeah. is my reality. Right. So I need to give that to kids, kids uh, that are coming up, kids, that, my brothers, their, their kids. Like I love, I love Jay-Z's legacy song, man. That, that's so important, man. You got, you got to keep, keep money in the family tree. So that's my seed's going to marry your seeds. That's so important, man. I love that, man. Right before this, so I, I've been sick for the last couple of days, and I've just been marathoning movies. So today, <laughs> I, I marathoned uh, The Godfather, nice. Godfather One and Two. I, I once a year, I'll go back and watch those movies with a different understanding of it every single time. Yeah. I watched it today with the perspective of circulating wealth and opportunities within the family, and I don't mean family in the literal sense. I'm talking about like the broader oh, family. Right. And right before we got got on the air, we were talking about Black Panther, and I was voicing some of my concerns about Black Panther's eligibility as a top Oscar film contender. Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie, but at the back of my mind, I'm like, is it first man good? Is it hereditary good? And then you change my perspective. I'm like, you know what? Hamza, shut up. Just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Because representation matters. Representation is so important. The way that you said you saw me and you felt like you could have access to this world yeah. is the way that I felt when I saw people like Bupesh Shah, yeah. Satish Kanwar, so on and so forth, Rohit Bhargava. And I'm like, man, for me to be where I am right now and to give away my gift, there had to be a trailblazer that was doing it. Yeah. And they might have been subject to all kinds of ridicule. I imagine that organizers for the conference where I saw Rohit were like, do we really want this guy? Like, he's not the best marketer. He's one of the best marketers, but, but he's why? Not best. He's not the best. But sell out someone made a decision to be like, no, representation matters. Because if we want to change the numbers, you have to see people that look like you. You have mm-hmm. to see opportunities that make this accessible to you. So all of that's to say, man, my work is going to be incomplete. I'm going to die in the work in the world that I want to see, I'm not going to be able to see it. But I'm going to die. Like, in, like a cryo chamber or something. Well, like man, let's see, man. But but <laughs> But I know that when I pass away, like, the world's in really good hands because you're going to be carrying that baton forward and you're going to be giving that to some other people. And man, fuck, can you imagine our kids growing up in a world where there's already people that are doing this? I want my daughter to like walk into her high school room and like all the white kids look at her and be like, oh shit, she's she's that girl, bro. She's that girl, yeah. Her dad, you know, her last name is Alam. Alam, yeah, yeah. The Alam group, right? She's Bengali. Oh my God, they got cash. Because we're seeing it right now. Like there's companies, there's agencies that are named after rich. Yo, I want my name on a building. That's it. 
Uh, fuck it. I want my kid. I Bro, want my kids to walk around with that pride. We're we're right now recording the Alan Slate Radio Institute. What about the Astawa Alam Radio Institute? Let's do it. Twenty thirty years not? from now, right? Like, why can't we, man? Like. And the wealth is there, especially in Brampton. Man, talk Yo, about so like much money so much money there, bro. It's all going into <laughs> banquet halls, man. Yeah. <laughs> bro, before we get carried away, I feel like we could do a whole other podcast on banquet halls real quick. But I want to make sure that the listeners have the understanding of how you're able to operate at such peak performance sure. and peak efficiency. And I think I want to spend the next couple of minutes really reverse engineering how you manage your time, manage your energy, and manage your attention, mm -hmm. which is something I feel like we don't talk about a lot. We talk about managing time and energy, but attention. talk about attention management. Yeah. I mean, that's the the point at which everything else get, gets ruptured. So we'll start by going to sleep because mm -hmm. you've decided that six hours a night, you're going to be shutting down. Yep. That's time that you're not going to be productive. But you've decided that that time is essential to you being productive for the remaining 18 hours. Yes. So um, 10, 10 to 4 or 10 to like 4.15, um, that's like sleep time. Oh, you wake up at 4.15? Yeah. 4 that's 15. 15 minutes before Jocko Willink, bro. Really? That's crazy. Oh, 4.15. That's how it be, man. Man, I thought 5 a.m. club was... Uh... I'm, I'm his Drake. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. What's, what's the world like at 4.15 a.m.? It's it's beautiful, man. It's honestly so serene. I've man. only seen it at the end of clubbing nights, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> My like the days that I can do that are the best days for me, because I'm really hard on myself, and I need to have those wins, like those Astawa wins, to feel like my best self. So I I love that ten to like four four uh well, sleep window. So I I tend I so this is my, this is my night, like eight p.m. Like work is done, like no more work, and I'll schedule it that way too. I'll schedule. I'm, I try to be more realistic with like what I can do within the hours that I have while giving myself the time I need to like actually chill out. 2018 was incredible. I did a lot in 2018. Yeah, I accomplished a lot, but I burnt out like in 2018. And I, I realized that like around probably September or October time, I'm like, yo, I need to like chill the fuck out, man. And so November and December, that's when I really made a deliberate effort to just relax more and, and not be stressed out. And that that manifested itself in me being strict with my calendar and me being realistic about what I can take on, when I can have it done by. Because, you know, being in the worlds that we're in, that we want to get everything done in one day. And that's not good for you. One of the biggest lessons I learned in 2018 is that the goal of the game is to stay in the game. You can't stay in the game if you're sleeping like two, four hours a night. Mm. You can't be in the you can't stay in the game if you're just destroying your body. You gotta like sleep. You gotta sleep. Yeah, you gotta yeah. eat. You gotta give yourself time. You gotta play Fallout. You gotta watch Game of Thrones. You, you, you gotta do that. So, eight o'clock cut off. Like no more work. I'll like I'll use that like hour from eight to nine to you know play video games, be be with family. Like I might do like a little bit of personal stuff like content or catch up on prayers, whatever. Um, but nine is like so. Uh, oh, I'll try to eat like within eight to nine as well. Um, nine to about nine fifteen, nine twenty ish. That's when I start journaling. So anyone who knows me knows that I, I've been writing for like ever. Like I have stacks of journals at home. So how I used to do it is that I would just take out my journal, take my pen and just write like whatever thoughts are in my mm -hmm. head, how I felt that day, what I accomplished, make my to-dos for tomorrow. That's it. And that felt nice. But the downside of that is that I didn't have any, any quantitative metrics to go back to day after day or week after week and actually compare myself like to the week before the day before like how did i do today compared to who i was yesterday so what i did at the beginning of this year on january 2nd i got the high performance planner from brendan bouchard uh delivered to me so what that is basically is every single day 
uh, in the morning. It's a series of questions you ask yourself. You answer them. You have a morning message to yourself. Three priorities that you want to tackle today. One thing that has to get done. And a list of people, maybe one or two, uh, that you want to connect with today and how to do it well. Wow. So that's the morning. The evening is questions asking to reflect on your day. And it also asks you to rank yourself on six uh, factors such as clarity. Like, did you know your purpose today? Energy, how well did you manage your energy? Things like attention, spirits, happiness, things like that. Like human life um, areas. So I've started doing that for the past two weeks. And I can objectively say that doing that in addition to my freehand journaling has without a doubt made me an overall happier and positive person. Wow. What's well, For the listeners one more time, what is the name of that journal? The High Performance Planner by High Brendan Performance Bruchard. High Performance Planner yeah. by Brendan Bruchard. That's really good because I use the Intelligent Change set of products. So I use their Productivity Planner and their five-minute journal. Yeah. Um, but I like that a lot. That's so really I, I looked. So I was looking into journals before yeah. I got this and I thought about the five-minute journal, but I felt like that was too fluffy yeah. and happiness oriented. Mm. Whereas the high performance plan I found is a good balance of work and happiness and human self. It's so important, man. I love that Gary Vee's on this kick about self-awareness right now. Mm. Um, it's so it's so cool to see his evolution as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like when he first came out into the scene, he was like, hustle, 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 mm-hmm. nine to five, five to nine, like just really annoying. And now <laughs> he's just really become mature and speaks about the value of sleep, but especially about the value of self-awareness, which yeah. I think is the critical component to building resilience. You can go through all this shit in your life but until you're writing down writing writing down and thinking and reflecting on what you learn from there you got to know yourself uh, you're, you got to know yourself otherwise you're not going to build resilience you're going to be shocked the next time you go up against yeah. the same obstacles but writing about and reflecting on it allows you to go back to that same obstacle mm-hmm. with a sense of wisdom um having rehearsed that scenario i'm so man i'm so glad you brought that up i remember on on that note i remember um when the burnout gamble came out and you were speaking at now with uh yeah. Dana Frankavilla, you were talking about your calendar and how, so you and I are different people. I, I think I'm an extrovert. You consider yourself an introvert. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how you color code your calendar um, with like what's going to take the most energy out of you. Yeah. And I remember when we sat down at Balzac's, that was that was an event that you wanted to be on for. So you had to make sure the rest of your day prior to that yeah. didn't take a lot of energy out of you. So that's so much self-awareness. Like that's you knowing that you might not be able to operate the same way that I might be able, uh, able to operate. Yeah, And that goes back to knowing knowing who you are so you don't compare yourself to others. Exactly. Like the Gary V's or the whoever's we see on Instagram, they they can do what they do because of who they are. That's it. But just because you can't do it, that doesn't mean you're any less. That just means you're moving at your own pace yeah. or you're doing your own way and you'll have your own results as a result. And we do this fucked up thing as people where we look to our left, look to our right, and look to people who have similar characteristics as us. Yeah. Like I think the most common one is age. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm 31 right now, but LeBron James is also 31. What am I doing with do my life? I'm, what am I doing with my life? But everyone's in their own time zone, man. Yeah. Everyone's everyone is not early. Everyone is not late. Everyone is just in time. You're right where you need to be. That's it. That's it. I I really like, I'm I'm a super spiritual guy. And I really, one of the things I think about all the time is that whatever's meant to, whatever's meant for you will never miss you. Even if it's between two mountains, like that's, that's so true. And like with the whole age thing, like I'm 23 right now and you know, by a lot of measures, I'm ahead of a lot of my peers Mm -hmm. and it, it, I feel like if anyone else was in my position, it'd be really easy for them to get like really cocky and Oh, yeah, I feel like me saying this is me being cocky. Yeah, I know. That, that's self-awareness, <laughs> uh, right? Like but, you're going through it right now. But yeah, it, it's it, like any, it's so easy to be like my spot and like get to like this huge ego thing. But I also understand like, yo, the things I have and like where I'm at, it's a privilege, man. Big like, time, man. 
I could lose this tomorrow. Man, people always forget that just the fact that we're here and earning money in North America puts us in the global 1%. Bro, yeah. That's a fact that I'll never let myself forget because I remember, man, like I we'll get I'm into so this lucky. in future podcasts, but like when my, when my dad tells me stories about his childhood, mm. I'm like, that's some nightmare fuel, man. Can you imagine not having money for shoes? Bro, man, my, you, my dad... My dad wore the same pair of shoes yeah. for 10 years, man. He's Like his feet grew out of the shoes. Like he had holes in his shoes mm-hmm. and his toes were coming out. And this was for many years. I'm like, man, here I am. I don't even know how many pairs of shoes I have at home. <laughs> it's sickening. I have more shoes than my sister, man. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I remember like my, my dad grew up in the village in, in Bangladesh. Yeah. Um, so like I hear stories all the time, like, and they were like thirteen brothers and sisters too. So obviously, and his and his dad was like a primary school teacher, so not a lot of cash. Like he's a, he's a teacher in the village, and you got a lot of mouths to feed. Like countless number of nights that he would go through, where like they would eat like the they would drink the water from like boiled rice and stuff wow. with, like, with water. Like it, it, it's crazy, man. And 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 I try to be aware of that all the time. Like whenever I'm dicking around, just sitting sitting. Of course, like I'm, I'm a chill, but like whenever I'm like wasting time. I just remind myself, like, yo, my parents crossed oceans. Yeah, they didn't cross oceans so I could sit here and like do nothing. Right. They didn't. They. Cr- I. I really believe, like, yo, if they cross oceans for me to come here, then I owe it to them to put the fucking last name on a building, bro. Yeah. Like, why can't I do that? Because proportionally speaking, for them to go from that, from drinking rice water to now owning a house in Brampton, that, right? Relatively speaking, the amount amazing. of effort and the success compared to where you are right now to do something proportionally, the logical conclusion is putting your name on the side. It of only the makes sense, right? Because otherwise, then you've operated at fifty percent of what they were doing. Yeah, then I've then I've been less. below mediocre. Like, there's no there's no reason why I can't do these outrageous, right. or seemingly outrageous things. Now, set those ambitious goals, and hopefully, you'll hit many of them, if not all of them. But even if you don't, just take solace in the fact that you've still already won. Like in terms of global one percent, like yeah, man, we have it so good here, man. So Canada, here. hands down, best best place in the world to live. Yeah. I like take my taxes, man. Go just t- take all of <laughs> I them. I love it. I, I these are, these it are every membership single, every fees. single week, but I love it's it. All good, man. No, with that being said, let's let's switch gears into energy, man. So sure. we talked about your time a little bit. How do you? Well, this is a bit of a, a blended question for time and okay. energy. What are your rules for deciding what goes into your calendar and what doesn't? So let's say after this, you bump into somebody randomly, and they're like, "Hey, Asawa, you know, I want to get half an hour with you. Just pick your brains, you know." What is the thought process for whether or not that becomes a priority that's in your calendar or okay. not? Great. So let's talk about that scenario. So let's say I'm, I'm walking out of here and I'm, someone recognizes you like, I, I saw your rap video. Yeah. <laughs> so the first question I would ask myself is, who is this person? Is this someone close to me? Is this like a close friend? Is this, is this someone that I want to get to know more? If the answer is no to, that, to those answers, uh, to those questions, sorry, I'll give them my um, Calendly link for 30 minutes within my, within like my 5 to 8 p.m. So I'll give that to them. If it's someone that I know really well, like a friend that I haven't seen in a long time that I do want to spend time with, um, I'll give them my open availability availability 45-minute calendar link. Damn, it's levels. Yeah, honestly. And and it sounds ruthless, but you have to be that way because you don't. You only have so much time in the world. And yeah. my time is precious. I got to guard that. Um, so that's how I decide. And and honestly, like, I'll get DMs every now and then or messages from, from people that I grew up with in Toronto, et cetera, that hit me up and ask you things like, yo, how are you doing? What are you up to? And I won't respond. Like I don't need. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I don't owe you anything. There's nothing that's gonna come out of this conversation. Like my energy is finite too. For for those 24 hours, my energy is finite. Yeah. Like there's a reason. Like we always hear about like you know the Mark Zuckerbergs and the late Steve Jobs wearing the same clothes every single day. Like that's a real thing. Conserving your willpower, conserving your energy. That's a real thing. And I I don't want to give time to someone who's not gonna add anything to my life, or I I don't feel like I can add to their life, um, and properly like. 
so so I'm very I'm ruthless with it, but I also think long term as well. Like I'm I'm I always take like coffees with like kids that are younger than me that I think I can help them come you up or to, people yeah. that are like above me or like new immigrants for example. Like at, at Greenwood, I, like, I met a bunch of people and yeah. new immigrants. Wood Green, you mean? Wood. <laughs> Sorry, Teresa, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do all. Teresa that. just flipped the table. Here, so. <laughs> but. Shout out to Teresa, man. Shout out to, you know, great time. One, yeah. of, one of the best speaking. I'm so glad. Ever. When I saw that picture of you, Jasmine, and George, I was like, man, I love what it. was I doing? Why, why wasn't <laughs> I there? But I remember I legit had to be somewhere else. So, mm. yeah. But um, I think about it that way. Like, I think about I think about it selfishly in short term for for things that won't benefit me. But I also think about it long term and selflessly for, for things like giving back and really going back to that legacy piece, too. Yeah. Damn, man. I... This, this is a good reminder that I really need to optimize my Calendly right now. So I struggle. My Calendly, I'm not as disciplined with my calendar as I, as I need to be. I try to have really? non-negotiables in there. I have like no work periods, work periods, lunch. Like I'll show you my calendar afterwards. You can see just how like regimented it is. But all it takes is like one person to be like, hey, I can't book you in Calendly for the next two weeks. What's going on? And I'm like, okay, you know what? Fine, I'll make some room. But what I should do is stick by that. I should be like, yeah, I'm not actually free for the next two weeks. It is what it is. I'm sorry. It is what it is, man. And people are going to think I'm a douchebag, but look again. Like the, I'm not going to be at my hundred yeah. percent if I don't see yeah. you in two weeks when I've got all my shit in order. The people that want to work that you want to work with will respect that. Okay, right. I like that a lot, man. That's really good. How how do you muster the energy to work on tasks that you hate? Because I imagine there's a lot of shit try, you don't want to do. do. It first. Like answer emails, bro. You haven't responded <laughs> to my. <laughs> try, try to front load it. Like try to try to do it. Try to front load it or try to like, schedule it in. Okay. Um, so I- I'm super into integrations. Like if, mm-hmm. if my all my integrations, like all my different apps fell apart tomorrow, I would be ruined. Really? Eh? Um, so I have my Todoist integrated with my, with my calendar. I have Google Calendar. I have my Asana. Each project integrated with my calendar as well. So my so my process for like scheduling things starts on paper. There you like, go. Write out like everything I need to do. And then, you know, project subtasks, et cetera, do those like arrows underneath and then put it into to do to doist. So Sunday, like afternoon or Sunday evening, I'll spend like maybe two hours like journaling, like recapping my week, like how I felt and all that, but also planning my week ahead. So those two hours I'll spend like, what do I have to get done this week? Write that all out, put that into into to doist and then schedule it into doist. So like I into doist, I can write like respond to uh, respond to Hamza's email tomorrow at 7:30 a.m. And when I write tomorrow at 7:30 a.m. and I hit enter, it'll automatically get uh, input in, into my Google Calendar. Yeah. So I'll see it there, I'll get a notification and I'll and I'll do it. I promise I'll do it. Um so th- uh, I do that, Asana is a similar thing. Um so those those are two things that I think those are two ways that I look at non-go things that I don't want to do. Either try to front load it, like take it on first. Or uh, schedule it in so you don't miss it, so you have to do it. There you go, man. And uh, I see you've been working out too, man. You're looking good. I try. You take any pre-workouts? I <laughs> I used to, but I love pre-workout because it gets it gets you mad amped. Yeah, you, feel like yeah. you can like flip cars over. I love it. <laughs> um, but for the past two weeks, I've I've been staying away from that because I wanna I wanna get to a point in my life. So great energy topic, right? I want to get to a point in my, in my life where I don't need pre-workout because I'm sleeping properly, mm. because I'm eating properly, and I'm managing my energy properly. Yeah. Pre-workout is nice. I love the feeling it gives you, but it's a crutch. It's not fun to work out without pre-workout though, man. I know. It, you know once you start using pre-workout, you can't go back, man. Have you, have you seen that famous clip? Uh, I think it's two Brandon kids who are like, Oh, yeah! <laughs> Gym time, motherfucker! Yes! Yeah. Pre-workout, pre-workout kicks in so hard! <laughs> 
you know, one day yes. for the next podcast when we're able to figure out the TV situation, we'll, we'll, we'll broadcast it for all the listeners. But Amazing. one of my favorite clips, that was me, man, me and my brother, Azim, uh, when we used to work out back in 2011. And man, a quick, quick story about Wait, this. Wait, you haven't worked out since 2011? Oh, no. I, no we, we have worked out, but the workouts back then were something else. So we okay. just started working out. We had beginner's gains. Ah. And um, so I, I call Azim my brother. He's actually my cousin, but I feel like he's my, been my brother because sure. lived Scarborough. beside each other our whole lives. And actually two two brothers married two sisters so my dad and his dad are brothers and my mom and his mom are sisters mm. um so but nice. his, his dad ran uh, a health food store a supplement oh, store no. and so we had an <laughs> endless supply of supplements now the thing is his dad didn't actually know anything what he was about selling this. you yeah man he's just a <laughs> immigrant guy with a with a with a hustler's ambition right so mm. he's like hey Respect. a lot a lot of the bodybuilders are using this thing called one 3d you guys should use this so we used one 3d and this was 2011 now if you don't know about the Canadian health food market, you can have anything on the shelf. And by the time the government finds out that it's mm. not supposed to be on the shelf, there's like a two-year window. Mm. So we were taking this thing called One 3D and man, oh man, jacked. Like <laughs> I was just, a, I, I looked like the rock, man. Mm. I, I was the best workouts of my life, but also the side effects were unreal, yeah, man. I, the I mood swings, I was losing sleep. I once called the ambulance because I felt Woo. my heart was gonna burst out of my chest. Holy Anyways, God. you got you get off one 3D and you lose all those gains. Yeah. yeah. I went to the doctor for a blood test. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh. I went for a blood test. He comes after the blood test and he's like, we need to have a serious conversation. <laughs> you have a drug problem? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm doing a lot of meth. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? I'm like, no, no, I'm doing a lot of supplements. He's like, can you show me what you've been doing? He's like, yeah, this has uh, one 3D. I can't remember the exact the okay. exact thing, but it, it, the, the oh, it was like Jack 3D. It was it was exactly like Jack okay, 3D. Yeah. It had one 3 dimethylene, which is basically one of the components of meth. Amazing. It felt like that too. It was great. <laughs> no pre-workout has ever come close to the feeling of that. <laughs> so good. But uh, I know I asked that question because I noticed that you've got a cup of Starbucks over here, and you're yeah. drinking Starbucks. You're drinking some coffee, I imagine. At- oh no! So this is tea. This is so, tea. Okay. Let me tell you about my coffee go, buddy. life. So um, I use mint for my finances. Yes. Right? Wanna, Shout like, out to see, mint. Into I, it. I love mint. Um, I want to see where my money's going. I want to categorize it, etc. So last month, I spent over four hundred dollars at Starbucks. Ooh, buddy, it's that auto reload, man, on the on the Starbucks app. So once it dips below, you don't see your money going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I got those coffees too, right? So I have. I've I've had a bad relationship with coffee. I would I would drink one in the morning, like a, a grande a grande blonde. One in the afternoon, uh, a grande a grande pike. You know, medium roast, not as much ca- caffeine. But every every other day or something, like I would do like a blonde Amer- a blonde americano with espresso shot or whatever. And and I would do Red Bulls too. Damn, you're a human caffeine filter, bro. Yeah, it's not good. You you just shit. You're just jittery. You feel like garbage. And you shit, yeah, yeah. And you shit a lot too, man. <laughs> Um, so this is, this is tea. I got a, I got a green honey citrus mint tea with uh, steamed lemon and honey. Damn. Cause you know, I got to get the podcast voice going on. Of course, man. Yeah. Um, I apologize to all the listeners from our <laughs> raspy ass laugh here. man. And, and what I've been doing recently is I bought two bags of ground coffee. So I bought one light roast for at home and I bought, I uh, brought, I bought, um, one medium roast for the office. So I'll make coffee at home before I leave. And it's, I think it's a 10 ounce, which is smaller than like a, with a, what a grande is. So I have less caffeine in the mornings. And I have less caffeine in the afternoons. Um, and again, that just goes back to my reason for not taking pre-workout either. Like I, I want to be at a place where I, where I don't need to rely on it. Cause it's, it's not good for you at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like having that much. 
I agree, man. And my last question for you on this track over here, and of course, we're going to have multiple conversations. I imagine that you, George, and a whole host of people are going to become regulars on the podcast. We really need to dive deeper into, into your system. But I want to ask this question about attention. How do you stay in the zone? Because mm. I know you get into the zone mm. when you're creating content, when you're working on specific marketing tasks, when you're in meetings, we're in this podcast right now. How do you prevent yourself from getting distracted? Because I feel like we're in the age of endless distractions. Yeah. A bunch of things. Um, so first, let me preface it by saying that's been different for everybody. And it takes time to learn what works for you. Mm -hmm. And you'll be frustrated along the way. Like if, if you're not being productive as, or as productive as, as, you think you as you think you should be throughout the day, you will be frustrated with yourself. And be forgiving on yourself. Um, a couple things that I do is obviously that morning journal is crucial. But what's even more important than that is scheduling my day ahead the night before. Mm -hmm. So I wake so I so first I go to bed without worrying about what I have to do tomorrow and I wake up with a clear action plan. Yeah, so you're not anxious. You're not you're exactly. not you're not dreaming about work because you know clearly what you're going to do. I know exactly what to do. It's there. There's no ambiguity. I can get straight to work. First thing that's the first thing I do. Second thing I do is the first task I do in the morning after a journal, like when I get into the office or wherever, I'll always try to use like 15 30 minutes to just read. Like a paper, not not an ebook, nothing on the screen, just paper. Read paper and like really get into it and take notes on it too. And that helps warm my mind up and get into get into the mindset that I need to get into to be productive. So once I do that, I'll open up my to do list again. What do I have to do first? Okay, I got I gotta go through. I don't do emails. Don't do emails at the beginning of the day. I don't do that because it's a it's a rabbit hole. So I'll get whatever task I have to get uh, get to. So I'll look at that and. I know like my warm up period for tasks will also be like around 15 to 20 minutes, like almost one Pomodoro. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll set intentions for that. Like I'll literally tell myself, I'll write it down like for these 25 minutes, like I'm going to work on this. And just that action of like me writing it down signals to my brain, like I'm doing this for 25 minutes. Do that one 25 minutes, get it done, take a five minute break. And like during this whole time, my phone is in a drawer. It's put away. Like I'm not looking at it. It's on uh, DND. And that's what really kicks it off for me. That's what does it for me. Um, that's what that's why I keep my attention. But also the more important part too is throughout the day, I need to be eating. I can't be eating garbage. I need to be eating oatmeal. I need to be eating fruits, nuts, granola bars, water, tons of water, more water than coffee. Like you should have two waters per coffee. Um, so the food is a huge part of it too. And I, and I think people forget that. Like people for, people think that they can just hustle just based off of their head, but you need your body needs fuel too. And Healthy food is what keeps you energized and attentive to what you're doing as well. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to get well from this cold that I've been 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 dealing with because I want to get back to the routine that I was developing. I became borderline paleo for a couple of weeks too, really? just to reset my system a little bit. Oh, nice. Felt fantastic. I would eat food and I wouldn't feel like I ate food. It was so weird. I didn't feel the heaviness from it. I just felt fantastic. Yeah. It was so good, man. I, I I would eat salads all the time. I would have I would I would try intermittent fasting as well. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to get back to that, man. So Another good. thing that I'm trying to do, or I'm trying to be more aware of is eat, not eating until you're full. I don't want to eat. I don't want to feel yeah. full after I eat. Like I want to feel like I want to get to like 80% capacity of my stomach. Mm -hmm. Man, it's so important, man. I think that you, you, you picked up on a lot of really, really good topics over here. And for the listeners who don't know, you mentioned Pomodoro earlier. Yeah. Um, Pomodoro, I swear by that. And let's Pomodoro. just explain to the listeners what, sure. what the Pomodoro technique so, is. Pomodoro, I think it's super helpful for them to know. So uh, some tools you need to uh, get the Pomodoro going up. One tool I would recommend is Toggle. Um, get the Chrome extension for your browser. T-O-G-G-L. Yes, T-O-G-G-L. Right. It's free. Um, or get like any sort of timer on your phone, your watch, wherever. And what Pomodoro is, is basically four 
25 minute sessions of pure work with five minute breaks in between. So one Pomodoro has 25 minutes of work, five minutes of break, 25 minutes of work, five minutes of break, et cetera, until you do four 25 minute uh, work sessions. Right. And I'm sure there's science behind it, but that's what Pomodoro is. Like you spend those 25 minutes working on nothing, but that one task that you said you were going to work on. So it's great for things like editing papers, yep. writing content, just being in the zone or getting, getting things that are hard to focus on or that you don't want to do like big big projects like that it's great for getting those out of the way i've even used it for like tasks that have multiple smaller components like purging my mm -hmm. inbox right yeah. so i get to inbox zero every single day twice a day so i check my mm -hmm. inbox twice i check it once before 12 once after 12 and no more i'm like whatever work needs to get done whatever communication needs to happen it needs to happen within these within two but 25 minutes per pomodoro and that's it super interesting man Asawa, I feel like we could go on and on and on. We have so much more to talk about, and we definitely will in the coming days. But yes. uh, just in the interest of, of, of moving this along, because I know here we are on a late Monday night, and you've got to you've got to get to bed within the next <laughs> half an hour over here. So thank you so much for coming out, brother. Really appreciate this. Where can people follow your adventures online? Yes, Instagram is the hub. So Instagram, you can find me at a.stawa. Uh, website coming soon, too. So that'll be astawaalam.com. And um, also hit up DXM, so dxm.to in your web browser. Any Anything uh, we can do on the digital market end, we would love to work with companies who are innovative, really looking to grow online. Um, and if you're just a cool, if you're just a cool person with uh, that's interested in entrepreneurship or just being the best you, I'm always down. I mean, I'll send you like a Calendly link, but I'm always down for coffee, uh, tea, whatever you're into. That's awesome. And you've also got a podcast. Yes. So podcast has been on the back burner, but coming back soon. Boom. So that's share your drafts. Um, Google, Google play, whatever Android people use, um, iTunes podcast store, pocket cast, radio Republic. I think all those places where we get a podcast, share your drafts, um, search it up there and more episodes coming soon. Hamza will be on an episode in the future for hey. sure. And you're going to be at the uh, AirPod meetup. Yes, you already know, bro. Call me AirPod Astu. Don't even, don't ever talk to me again, bro. Yo, man. AirPod That's gonna be, it's gonna be the title Listen, of the podcast. I, I watched Spider Man, Spider Verse in, okay. in the in D box, right? And watching that movie in D box in those seats, it felt like the first time I put AirPods in my ears. Bro, I've never met someone so passionate about bro, AirPods. I don't, bro. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to. Don't look at me if you got AirPods, man. Get out of here, bro. What is that? I'm surprised you haven't made the switch to noise canceling, man. What? Bro, what's that? Bose Q3. Who? I, I can't hear you. Where my ear? Oh, oh, shit. My ear. <laughs> my man, thank you so much. Yo, thank you for having AirPod me. AirPod Austin, man. Thank you so much, bro. This yeah, is an absolute pleasure, man.